And so today I want to talk about the doctrine of baptisms, plural. And I'm, my main scripture is Hebrews chapter 6 from verse 1 and verse 2. And I'm reading the New King James Bible. It reads as follows. Therefore, let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again the foundation, underline that, the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death, faith in God, instruction about baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. The New Living Translation reads, so let us stop going over the basic teachings, underline that basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. Surely we don't need to start again with the fundamental importance of repenting from evil deeds and placing our faith in God. You don't need further instruction about baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and the eternal judgment. So we believe that Paul was the author of the book of Hebrews. There's a debate as to whether he was, he was or wasn't, but the majority of scholars believe that he was the author of it. And in Hebrews chapter 6, he is teaching the believers there and telling them that they need to go on to maturity and they need to move away from the foundational or elementary doctrines of our faith. And he names what those elementary doctrines are. Now note, Bazalan, elementary doctrines or what we call foundational principles are very important because we know with any building, everything about the building rests on the foundation, right? It's in, it's in the strength of the foundation that we are able to tell the type of building that's coming and how strong it is. In other words, the building is only as strong as its foundation. Now, we know this, that foundations often takes a long time to build. Oftentimes, as you know, in all buildings, most foundations are underground. You don't see them, all right? Or foundations sometimes are very expensive, like the foundation here of this building, this structure, this uh, foundation, or rather this floor that we are all sitting on, is sitting on about 135 or more piles. You've heard me talk about it. These piles, when they were done, they had to drill holes in this place, in the soil, because it's clay soil over here. So they drilled over 135 and more holes, which are six meters deep and about three to six meters in diameter. And in those holes, they poured concrete and steel in there, right? And it cost us about three million rands. Now, why did we have to pay all that money? Because we wanted to build a structure that's going to stand. We wanted to have a building that's massive, that's not going to fall on us. But we spend a lot of time in the foundation. Unfortunately, when it comes to a Christian life, not many of God's people take the time to establish a strong foundation for their faith. Many of God's people don't even know what are the fundamental doctrines or the fundamental foundational principles of their faith. Now, in all disciplines and in all ways of learning, everything is built on a foundation. In mathematics, simple arithmetic, one plus one is two. You know, because it doesn't matter how advanced we can be in math. It doesn't matter if we can do the complicated math. One plus one is still two, all right? And everything that follows is built on one plus one is two. Liteng mare. I don't feel human. Amen or amen or eight here. All right, all right, yeah. So, so you know that in, in aviation, if you learn to become a pilot, there'll always be a foundational teaching. In everywhere we go, there's always class 101. This is the first class, all right? This foundational beginning class founds you in the principles that become a reference point. In other words, you know, if you are in computer science or if anything that you do in any field, if, if things get complicated as you move forward, you always want to go back and you start to look at what you did at the beginning. Because the foundation of everything forms the basis of what follows. The same is true when it comes to our faith. And Paul in this scripture is telling about, about six foundational principles. Let me go through them with you quickly. Six of them. 
The first one is repentance from dead works. Now, we don't have the time to talk about it. I think we deal with this in our, in our, in our, are we, do we do this in discipleship? Or do we do this in leadership 101? In discipleship, okay? We do this in discipleship, right? Yeah. So the first one is repentance from dead works. The second principle is faith in God. Are you writing down? Are you sitting next to your neighbor who's not writing down? Just look at them and say, Ooh, eh, eh. That's why Osayako holidaying. Eh, eh. The third one is baptisms. And I want you to note is plural baptisms. Not one baptism, but many baptisms. We'll talk about that today. And then number four, the laying on of hands. It's a foundational principle. Number five, the resurrection of the dead. And number six, eternal judgment. Now, we teach this in our uh, discipleship course because these are foundational principles. So we're saying, look, if you're going to be an established disciple of Christ, we've got to give you a foundation. And everything in your faith and everything in your belief is built on these. Now, Paul says, therefore, that these are our foundational doctrines. Okay, somebody say doctrines. Say it again. Now, we need to teach these doctrines. Now, the word doctrine means something taught, all right? So these are things that we need to teach. The word doctrine means a teaching or an instruction, okay? The word doctrine means the principles of religion that are taught. So when you talk about our doctrine, in other words, these are the principles that we teach, we believe, we hold on to. Right? We need to be taught. We need to know. Why do I believe what I believe? Why do I do what I do? Why do I raise hands in church? Why do I say amen when the preacher is preaching? Why do I give a tithe? Why do I give offering? Okay? Why, why, we, we need to know. And these are doctrines. Somebody say doctrines. Say it again. So, in this lesson, I'm going to use that term, doctrine, to refer to the truths of God's word that are taught that we need to believe and we need to hold on to. Interesting enough, that word doctrine is used 56 times in the authorized version of the Bible. For instance, in Acts chapter 2 verse 42, we are told that the disciples continued steadfastly in the breaking of bread, in fellowship with one another. Then it says in the apostles' doctrine. Note, they continued steadfastly in doctrine. In other words, they made sure that they are founded firmly in sound biblical teaching. You know, this is one of the problems we have today. We have people who claim to be whatever, but their doctrine is not sound. Actually, I've been arguing this point in many theological circles. When they want to, you know, associate some of these rogue prophets with some of us. And they call them charismatics. And I say, no, you know, you know, we all come, we all come got different labels. There's uh, evangelicals, charismatics, Pentecostals. Some of you can't No, it's not a country. Okay, it's, it's, it's the different belief systems. So charismatics, which is what we are, or what we are called, it comes from the word charisma or charismata, mostly used in 1 Corinthians 12, but in many other places. And the word charismata, charis, it's grace. Charismata, or, it's, it's a, or, or you can say it's a gift of grace. So charismatics are people who believe, one, we believe in being born again, and I'm just oversimplifying. Of course, we believe in the apostles' doctrine. The apostles' doctrine, believe in the Father, blah, 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 blah. And then we believe in being born again. We believe in being, in being uh, filled with the Holy Spirit, right? Matter with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. But then we also believe in the operation of the charismata, in the operation of the gifts of the Spirit, all right? So they call us charismatics, right? But you know, some of these people, they call us charismatics. No, 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 prophets of doom. They call them charismatics. And I say, you can't even call them charismatics because if you check those people's doctrine, their doctrine is not the same as ours. So you can't call them charismatics. Maybe give them another label. Automatics. Cruzimatics. 
something like that. But what I'm saying, Bazana, is that we need to be founded in doctrine. You need to know why you do what you do. Are you understanding that? And there are these six elementary doctrines. And among these six doctrines is the doctrine of baptism. Somebody say baptisms. Okay, now. Now, the word baptism is from the Greek word baptizo. You know, that sounds like a good hip-hop word for a gangster guy, you know. It's like a bra, 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 baptizo, you know. <laughs> or maybe some of you can use it on Facebook. Or you, know, you can use it as your pseudonym, you know, more WhatsApp, baptizo. And then over scratchy, you piece of baptizo. But the word baptizo, ask Isbazala, now I'm just trying to explain. I'm just trying to make the Bible interesting. Some of you do to more fell alarm. Look at your neighbor, so it's like a baptizo, no, no, no. I wouldn't be surprised if some of you called yourselves baptizo on Facebook. <laughs> the word baptizo originally meant to dip or to die. Not die, no, but to die, D-Y-E. D-Y-E. I remember as children, we used to like to buy candy, you know. Sometimes you eat these sweets that dye your tongue. They don't know Particularly, I want my sister what I love well enough for it to romantics. I will know you my Yeah, no, I'm not saying no, keep well when I scour Rakabon, I will lead you. But how many of you remember this? She said, The romantics, how did you limit about pink? You dye your tongue. So that word baptizo, actually, in the early cases where it comes from, It described the process where they would dip a cloth or a garment in a vet of color dye, to dye it, in a vet of color to dye it. So they leave it there long enough, watch this now, for the material to soak up the color. So you take a material, for instance, that is white, and you put it in dye that is blue. But you don't just hoe it in and pull it out. You hoe it in and leave it there. Right? And what happens? Through the process, yeah, what? Osmosis, right? The concentrated, whatever, moves into the structure such that when you finally take the structure out, it's different to the one that you placed in there. And it has assumed the character of whatever substance that you placed it into. That's the word baptized. Okay, so it leaves, if you leave it long enough there, it soaks up the color. Then when you pull out the garment, out of the dye, it has permanently changed in its outward appearance. This is the concept of baptism. That's why we use the term baptism. Because when we came to encounter Christ, there's all these different kinds of baptisms that we talk about. In fact, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 is really trying to show us how we were baptized. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away because they have been baptized and now they come out. All things have become new. And when you don't understand that, you will think when you receive Christ, nothing happens to you. But according to God, you are no longer the same person who, re- who came before. You are a new person in Christ Jesus. Can I hear a good amen in the house? Can I hear a powerful amen in the house? So the word baptizo therefore means to immerse into until it's totally covered. That's the word baptizo. And then, interesting, there are five baptisms that we learn in the Bible. Five. I I, I never knew. But there's five. Now, just in case we don't have enough time, let me give you all five, and I'll come back and talk about each one of them. I won't go into details with everyone, but I'm really going to go into details from in the next lessons about water baptism because there's something powerful I want you to learn. The first baptism we learn about is when we are baptized into Christ or we are baptized into the body of Christ. When does that happen? When you receive Christ as Savior and Lord. 
How does it happen? You are baptized into the body of Christ by the Holy Spirit. That becomes the element in which you are baptized. Watch this now. Now I know it doesn't make sense. What does it mean? Well, when you become born again, you come in and you become one of the family of Christ. The book of Colossians says, we were translated from the kingdom of darkness. Right? We were translated. In fact, first of all, we were rescued out of the kingdom of darkness. Right? And what? And translated. Let's go there. I think it's Colossians 1.13. I, I, didn't, I didn't write it. Do you, can you have it? It's Colossians? 1.13. Can we have Colossians 1.13 on the screen? I want to show you something. I, I don't have it in my notes, but it just come. We are figently Okay. Let's go to verse 12. Let's start go verse 12. Let's start go verse 12. Verse 12. Giving thanks unto the Father, which has made us able to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Now note, verse, verse 13. Who has delivered us? Do you see the word delivered has a D at the end? Past tense. Who has, 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 has. Ah, no, you're not hearing me. Who has, has, who has. This is where my problem has been. With Christians who want to go for deliverance. That's where I stumble. No, no, no. You say, no, no, Mara, they still have such and such. To me, it's not so much about getting delivered as it is about maintaining their freedom. Who has has past tense delivered them past tense watch from the power of darkness hey, darkness mustn't have power over you you must have power over darkness why because he has somebody said I have been delivered you don't have to pray again for deliverance. You don't have to ask anything. You must stand on the authority of who you are in Jesus. Who has delivered us. Watch. From the power of darkness. Oh my goodness. There should be no ounce of darkness in your life from Zalwana. Please get to know who you are. You have been baptized. You have been put into Christ. You are no longer the same person who used to be bound, who used to be demonized. You are no longer the same person who didn't know what to do. You are no longer the same person who has delivered us from the power of darkness. Not only has he delivered us and has translated us translated us. When I was traveling, you know, when I got to France, right, and I got in there, and I gave them my passport, eh, and they allowed me into France. I had moved into another country. It is the border. It is right there at border control where I transitioned in terms of, of the kingdom in which I am. The minute I got to France, everything was different. They drive on the other side of the road. They eat different food. Whatever was of South Africa doesn't work there. They don't use rents. They use euros. They don't speak English. They speak French. I'm in a different country. 
and I have to understand I'm in a different country and the laws of a different country apply. Listen to me, you are no longer in the kingdom of darkness. Ah, somebody shout to the Lord, you are no longer in the kingdom of darkness. You have been translated. You have been translated into the kingdom of his dear son. Let's have it in the Amplified Bible, please. That verse 13. You have been translated. But you see, here's a problem. Like I said, many Christians don't know this. They don't know this. They still talk about themselves like they're not born again. They still struggle with demonic powers bef- like before. Sokoloshi something about saying. The father has delivered and drawn out, drawn us to himself out of the control and the dominion of darkness and he has transferred. Ah, you He has transferred us. You change citizenships. Now, the word kingdom suggests a king and subjects. And when you are under that kingdom, the rules of the king apply to you as the subject. Watch. But when you change kingdoms, it's like when you change citizenships. The rules of your former country no longer apply. You have changed kingdoms. Oh, I'm here to tell somebody, you have changed kingdoms. You are no longer in the kingdom of darkness. That is not where you belong. You have been translated into a new kingdom. It's a different kingdom. It's a kingdom of Jesus, the kingdom of the son of his love. You carry a new passport, you you have a new Lord, you have new rules, you have new constitution, you have new everything in that kingdom, you have new power, you have new authority. The devil cannot, cannot transgress and cross the border and come into your kingdom and deal with you. Come on, we have border control called angels. They've got border control called the Holy Spirit. He will never be able to come into your kingdom. Somebody shout hallelujah. We have been translated. So we've changed kingdoms. Yeah. So when you receive Christ, you were baptized into the kingdom of God. You became a member of the family of God. In all denominations, all countries, whoever has received Christ as Savior and Lord, no matter what color, No matter what denomination, we are all God's children. We belong to Christ. Number two, the second baptism is baptism in water. Okay, let me go over them one by one. I thought I'll give you all five. When I also study later, I Baptism in water is, if you look at the practice in the New Testament, when people got born again, they were immediately baptized in water. We're not doing that today because we, we, we don't have the revelation. And I think we, we are going to change it in our church. We're going to change it through this preaching. And I'll explain it more in the coming lesson, but let me give you a teaser a little bit. Let me give you a teaser. On the day of Pentecost, when 3,000 people got saved, they got baptized. Read it. When Philip went to Samaria and preached to the Samaritans, and they got saved, they were baptized immediately. When Paul got saved and Cornelius came to pray for him, he was baptized immediately. When Paul and Silas were in jail, and they were there, Bound hands and feet with chains. And the Bible says, at midnight. Somebody say midnight. Midnight. Say it again. Say it again. At midnight, they sang praises to God. And the prisoners heard them. And you know what happened. God sent a miracle, an earthquake. 
and their chains were undone, and the prison doors were opened, and the jailer, the Philippian jailer who was looking after them, was so scared because he thought. <laughs> He, 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 thought, he thought Paul and Silas had done a tabobester on them. That's why she's laughing. She was in the first service. Yeah. So he wanted to kill himself. <laughs> and Paul says, do yourself no harm. We're still all here. And the man was so scared and came and fell at the feet of Paul and Silas. And said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? He says, believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. And they took this guy immediately after he received Christ and they baptized him with his family. Remember, this thing could be like a midnight. Must have been two in the morning. What was so urgent? What's the agency? Why must he be baptized immediately? Why are they understanding something about baptism that we don't understand? Let me show you something. You know, I had someone who was a, a believer from another religion, which I will not say. This is what he told us straight. He said, you know, my family, because I've changed religions, they didn't mind when I told them that I got born again. But the day I told them I'm going to get baptized, they started fighting with me. So what is it about baptism? Watch. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, don't open it. Welcome to it later. Paul uses an analogy and says the children of Israel, when they came to the Red Sea, they were baptized in the Red Sea. Remember, Basadon, all doctrines that we read about in the Bible they have a prefigure or a shadow in the Old Testament. You know, this is why I laugh when people say the Bible, whatever, is a white man's book, it's somebody's clever. I don't know who can be that intelligent. To line up things so much, thousands of them, and even time code them. No human, there's no human being who has that capacity. So in the Old Testament, watch, when the children of Israel were crossing through the Red Sea, Moses, Paul refers to it later to say, but tomorrow they were getting baptized. So, the, 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 so God was already setting the principle of baptism from the onset. You see, that's why I was saying, if you have Bible, you New Testament, if you want to have strong belief, trace it back. You'll see there's, there's types and shadows and figures and prophecies. So you build on it. I mean, it's, it's, it, I can't go caught. You must be able to prove if you bring enough proof, then no, you've proved your point. With the Bible, you can prove any doctrine. So watch. Now, this is interesting. When the children of Israel were about to leave Egypt, they left, okay? Pharaoh finally said, okay, you leave. So we know that Egypt is a picture. It's a picture. It's a, it's a, it's a picture of our old life. It's so, they're going to the promised land. Watch this. And they come to the Red Sea. Okay? Now, this side of the Red Sea, before they cross, even if they have been delivered from Egypt, watch. Even if Pharaoh has said, you can leave Egypt. But the Bible tells us that even once they were moving, Pharaoh sent his army to come after them. Watch. Even if they have been allowed to go, their old life is following them. And then they come to the waters of baptism. They come to the Red Sea and the, the, the redeemed of the Lord the ones that God has called out of Egypt. They are able to navigate the waters of baptism without drowning. So they go through the waters and they survive the waters and they don't drown in the waters. And it is in the waters that they transition from Egypt into the promised land. Watch. 
when their old life tries to follow them, as it gets to the waters of baptism, it dies in the waters of baptism. Oh, somebody shout hallelujah in there. And so in the baptism of water, this is where we bury the old life and you rise again in newness of life. Can I hear an amen in the house? Can I hear an amen in the house? Listen, we're going to have a baptism service. And I'm going to appeal to everyone who has not been baptized, water baptized, to get baptized. Maybe that's why the Egyptians have been following you. You were delivered. That's for sure. Mara, there are certain tenets of obedience that you didn't uphold. But people were baptized. In fact, in Acts chapter 8, watch this now, verse 12. When they believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized. So when people get born again, we should baptize them immediately so that Pharaoh's army doesn't follow them. That's why, you see, it's a powerful thing, Bazaar. I tell you, it's powerful. Powerful. We'll talk about it in the next month. We will we'll just have a, a day where we're going to baptize. It will be nice. And it will be nice and cold. That will show how serious you are. <laughs> we won't do any heated pool. Number three, baptism with the Holy Spirit. Now watch. Baptism with the Holy Spirit is when we get filled with the Holy Spirit. Now note, Bazalan. Every one of us, when we get born again, like I said earlier, it is the Holy Spirit who changes us. So any child of God does have the Holy Spirit. But note, we say this just for technical reasons. You may have the Holy Spirit, but not be filled with the Holy Spirit. We, we just say that for explanation's sake. It's hard to explain spiritual things. For instance, I have in this mug, this is water, trust me. <laughs> and they have put in here lemon for my, no, uh, uh, honey. For my voice, right? Now, unfortunately, this is not transparent. This container has water. It's somewhere there. It has water. Mara, it's not full of water. It has water. So we, we can't argue. No, the metzi is there. It's just that the metzi is not full. Now, when we talk about being filled with the Holy Spirit, watch. As a Christian, if you're born again, you have the Holy Spirit. But there's another experience where you experience the fullness of the Holy Spirit. This is where you get filled with the Holy Spirit and it overflows and comes out in tongues. So you become full of the Holy Spirit and the overflow is when you speak with tongues. And diverse kinds of tongues. And we have many of God's children who are born again. They're going to heaven. There's no question. Mara. They're not full of the Holy Spirit. They have the Holy Spirit, but they're not full of the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter, in Mark chapter 1 verse 6 and 8, it says, Now John was clothed with camel's hair and with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locust and wild honey. And he preached saying, There comes one after me, Who's mightier than me? Whose sandal straps I'm not worthy to stoop down and loose? Now note, verse 8. I indeed baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So it is Jesus who baptizes people with the Holy Spirit. Right? He's the baptizer. In Acts chapter 1, verse 4 and 5, being assembled together with them, this is Jesus, he commanded the disciples not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait. For the promise of the Father, which he said, you've heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from hence. Why is it so important, Jesus, that these people who are already born again, already delivered, 
You gave a strict instruction that before you go on to your mission of witnessing, wait. And this is what I'm saying. Because we don't read the Bible, we don't see the importance of some of these tenets. We don't understand why it's so necessary. Jesus himself tells his disciples, don't go into your mission, wait. Wait for what? Wait for the promise of the Father. You'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So Acts chapter 2, they get filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. So why is it that you are not full of the Holy Spirit and yet you are born again? Remember I talked about what? The foundational principles. Today, Bazalana, we'll ask you, if you are not filled with the Holy Spirit, we're going to give you a chance to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We, after the service is done, we'll let you wait here and we're going to have all our pastors come pray for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let me give you my experience. I, know, I, was, I became born again in 1978, as you've heard me, and for a full year, I so desired to be filled with the Holy Spirit because I'd heard people talk about it. I'd heard them talk about it. But I, did, I, did, you know, I didn't know how to receive and so on. Finally, when I got filled with the Holy Spirit, on the 4th of July, 1979, I realized that there's a huge difference. Now, as I was a teenager, 1979, I was 18 years old. When I got filled with the Holy Spirit, a number of things happened. Number one, my spiritual life went up 10 notches. I mean, I love Jesus all along, but my goodness, I became crazy for Jesus after I got filled with the Holy Spirit. I got filled with the Holy Spirit. I started speaking in other tongues. I realized my love for Jesus went up. My passion for the things of God went up. My strength of resistance to temptation and sin went up. My prayer life changed. And everything was different. It was still the same me. It was still the same container. It wasn't a different me. But the capacity was different. And I realized that being filled with the Holy Spirit, now I understand why Jesus told them, wait for the promise of the Father. It's almost like, Bazalana, when, you know when they manufacture cars and you have this car that's whatever model it is, it's a 1.4 engine. And so you drive it and you know, small engines, you know, idea uphill. It's okay, I will flat. Have you ever had a car do that? Yeah? <laughs> I remember I was talking to somebody who had driven one of those cars called a suit. You know the suit, eh? It's mountains. And it was an automatic car. And this person, I'm motor, how was the drive? He says it was he says it was the most frustrating thing. Because as it went up those mountains, this car kept on changing gears on you know. Anyway. Why? Because it doesn't have capacity. But these guys who are engineers, they are very clever. They take the same engine, same car, same engine. Next year, then they turbocharge it. Same engine, same engine, same everything. Except that they, 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 they put technology where it's turbocharged. And all of a sudden, this engine is Right? When you put it up against temptation, oh, against steep hills and uphills and, and problems of life, and instead, anyway, it cannot glide through because it's got added power. Yeah. That's what happens when you are full of the Holy Spirit. There's an added dimension to your life. There's an added power to your life. Come on, somebody. There is just something about your life that is so different. That instead, you don't have to do any of that. You just glide through because there's added power. How many of you know, Bazalan? When, 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 when everything is okay and the road is flat, you don't need the added power. You don't need the added power. So I drive a lot because of you know, preaching in many places. You know? And I tell people there are certain cars that I like. There are certain... Uh, models of cars I like. I won't be looking at anything, but, but, but just to confess, I'm not a slow driver, okay? So just let's get it out there, okay? And I, and I don't like lazy cars, okay? Just I don't like them. I mean, I'm, I'm a man of vision. Come on. I can't spend the whole day on the road. I've got too much to do with my time. So I, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
yeah, and, uh, and so, and the thing I like about some of these cars that, you know, that I use when I travel long distance is uh, I like these people on the road who want to zing zong you. <laughs> Anybody knows Barcelona? They like to zing zong you. And I know when it's flat, I let them bang overtake a bang head. And then I wait. For things to be difficult. <laughs> for the road to go up. I wait for the steep and I wait for the curve. Yeah, because I know the one that I drive, Lapo, is got added something, something, something. That's what God wants you to do when things get hard, when things get tough. Come on, somebody. You have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's why the Holy Spirit is called our helper. He is there as a standby. He's the standby power. He's a standby. He's there on standby. charge, And you just glide through because of the power of the Holy Spirit. Somebody shout hallelujah. And so that's why the Bible tells us about being baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. So if you are not filled with the Holy Spirit, I ask you, come get your table charge today. We won't charge you anything. It's free of charge in Jesus Christ. Come get your table. Look, because I make a holy day, you are not rushing anywhere. So just come get your table charge and test it and see. I was telling people in the first service, I wonder if I would still be standing here today if it was not for that experience of being filled with the Holy Spirit. I wonder if I would have the passion for the work of God if it wasn't to be filled with the Holy Spirit. When I got filled with the Holy Spirit, I was a different person. And I prophesy you will be a different person as well. Number four. Is it number four? Baptized into Christ's sufferings. That's baptism into Christ's sufferings. In Luke chapter 12, verse 49 to 50, I have come to bring fire on the earth and how I wish it were already kindled, but I have a baptism to undergo and how distressed I am until it's completed. Jesus is saying, guys, I've done what God has called me to do, but there's still one more thing that's left. And I'm determined to do this. Watch. And my work on earth will not be completed if I don't do this. I'm going to face the challenge of the cross. Watch. At the cross, Jesus suffered without having done anything wrong. Think about it. He was mocked, scoffed, not for wrong. Innocent man. Because there's a spirit of the Antichrist out there that will mock and scoff anyone who wants to stand for the things of God. And Jesus says, I'm going to go through with it. I'm going to complete it. I'm going to go through with it because I must go through with it. But then the Bible tells us, watch, in Philippians 1.29, for it has been granted for you on behalf of Christ not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for him. The way the world is going now, as you look into all these things, these feds and these beliefs and all these funny things that are happening in the world, we are fast heading towards that time where we're going to suffer for what we believe. And if you're a lukewarm Christian who's sitting on the fence, you're not going to make it. We're going to suffer. And suffering is part and parcel of our belief system. Some of you, it could be that already in your family, they're picking on you. You're suffering for your faith. It's part of our belief. Why? If our Lord suffered, we must be baptized as well into his suffering. I was telling them in the first service, Bazalan, there's coming a time when we will be persecuted as Christians. Now, I never get got a lot of amens in the first service either. But the acid test of true faith 
is when we are chastised for what we believe. Not because we've done wrong. You know, we've gone through several times when we, we became the laughing stock or the breaking news. Not because we've done anything wrong, but because of what we believe. That's why you note in times like that, I never move back. Never will move back. Never. Never. No government, no human being, no institution will stop me from believing God's word. Don't care who they are. I don't care either. If they have to put us in jail, so be it. We'll face up to it. Because it's part of it. When you suffer. Isn't it strange that we just suffer for doing God's work? Suffer for the name of Christ. We didn't kill anybody. We didn't take anybody's money. All we did is to state what we believe. And I must say, Basalan, we shouldn't be Christian people who are so fickle and so negotiable and who are so afraid to suffer. Let it be what it be. It is. We will stand on what we believe. Unfortunately, today, when we see the world attack one of us, we go undercover as Christians and distance ourselves. Shame on us. Shame on us. We should stand up like everybody stands up for everybody. They stand up for each other even when they've done wrong. They stand up for each other even when they have done evil. They do. Shame on us. But we will not stand up to defend the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Timothy 3.12 says, In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. But you don't have to fit in. We don't have to be obsessed with being understood or even relevant. Relevant according to whose standard? Relevant for the sake of who? Relevant to please who? Remember, Bazalana, this world is temporal. We're going to stand before the throne room of Jesus Christ and account. I'd rather hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant, than be the toast of people, than be the celebrity of people. I'd rather hear Jesus say, well done, good and faithful servant, when the world is, is saying all kinds of things about me. We have to be willing to suffer for Christ. And we mustn't apologize, Bazalot. We mustn't apologize. First Peter 4, 16 says, however, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed. But praise God that bear that name. So then those who suffer, verse 19, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. You know, we have forgotten that Christianity, Vazalana, as, as such, has come through decades of persecution. People were killed, fed to lions, crucified, thrown into boiling oil. Yeah, yeah. We, we have a genre of Christianity that is too nice. That's why we have so many people who call themselves Christians who are not serious. Yeah, because when, when real persecution comes, then, then those who are not serious, you can see them. Yeah. But this belief and this preaching came on the blood of many, caused the lives of many, and we shouldn't play around with this gospel. We must play around. We must be willing to suffer. And finally, baptized into the leadership of. That's number five. When we are baptized into the leadership of. Watch. 1 Corinthians 10, 1 and 2 says, and, and I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers, that our forefathers were all under the cloud and that they all passed through the sea. Watch this. And they were all baptized. Somebody say Baptized. Baptized into what? Into who? Baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Also, I see the, the, the entire nice malfunctioning. So he says they were baptized into Moses. What does it mean to be baptized into Moses? Now watch. They were baptized in the sea, showing that they are being cut off from their old life. But they were baptized into Moses. What does it mean to be baptized into Moses? It's when you are baptized into 
following the leadership of your leader. You see, it means you buy into what your leader is doing. Now, you don't make them God. We'll never be God. And nobody should make God out of us. Okay, we are not God. We will never be God. But you support your leader. And you support your church. You support your institution. You have been baptized into it. You have been put into it. You are part and parcel of what they do. You know, sometimes I get very surprised by Christian people who belong to a local church, but they criticize everything about it. I, I've never understood those kind of Christians. Seriously, they belong to the church. Mara, they are criticizing everything. They criticize their leaders, and they will never support anything in their church. They just come and sit there. Even when you say raise hands, they don't raise hands. Go to a protester. <laughs> they don't sing, they don't think. They don't give, they don't pray for the pastor, they will not support the prayer meetings, they don't come to church regularly. They've not been baptized into it. They've not been baptized into it. And yet, when you look at other institutions, you know, they defend each other, they support each other, even have a little wrong. I mean, you can hear that your president, when you start quoting him, the other person, the spokesperson comes and says, no, 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 no. That's not what he said. Anybody knows what I'm talking about? Yeah, you see, the problem is you didn't listen carefully. It is not in our founding documents. Or if you try to go after one, but no, no, why do you go after him? It was a collective decision. Anybody has heard that word, collective decision? What are they saying? I've been baptized into this. I'm part of this. I'm going to support this, good or bad, I'm supporting it. Why do we as Christians don't support our churches? Why are not giving our all to make sure that the mission of our local church moves forward? Why should we be sentimental? Why should we, why should we not give our all? Why shouldn't we support fully? More so if leadership is demonstrating accountability. More so if leadership is going after vision and you can see whatever has been said is done. There's tangible proof that things have been done with the right reasons. You've been around there long enough to check them out if they are fake or real. You found out that they're not fake, they're real. Why can't we be baptized into the leadership? There's people who go to churches, they will not support their church. They will not go to women of destiny, they don't go to line crossers, they don't go to the youth, they don't go to you know, uh, Yem, they don't go to church, they don't, no, no, no. they don't go to camps, they don't go to Good Friday service, they don't go, no, they're not going to come to Resurrection Day, they're not coming to Ascension Day, they're not, no, they're not, uh, but they're supporting everybody else. They're buying everybody else's teachings, going to everybody else's camp, Mara, they remember in another church. Look at your neighbor and say, why would you so? Let's be baptized into the leadership. I heard this from Bishop Ulma. When people give support, Bazalana, I think as the church, and I'm closing with this, we haven't realized how powerful we are. I'm telling you, Bazalana. I heard of some denomination and Castle Kefin. Or maybe Kilibel. No. They're a big, they're a big, big, big denomination. One newspaper was making, it was always writing bad articles about their bishops. And then they just met all of them and they went to this newspaper. We're going to tell all our members to stop buying your newspaper. Because when every day you are, you are saying bad things, you know the newspaper published an apology. You know they never, they never, they never, they never published an apology. And they stopped. Some of these deviant people. And the members are there. Will you be baptized into the leadership? Only a few people, the rest of you. We should give support to what our church is doing and what God has called us for.
I hope you've learned something about baptism today. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Would you bow your heads with me and remain seated, please? I don't want to take it for granted that everyone who's here has received Christ as Savior and Lord. You may have come here, maybe you have been invited, or we played the Kabuena. But as you sat there and we were talking about being baptized into Christ and becoming a new creature in Christ Jesus. When I was talking about the die, how we get immersed in Christ and we come out different people. See, nobody has the power to change their lives in their strength. Nobody. All the good decisions and the promises we make as human beings will never sustain us. It's only when we have an encounter with Jesus Christ. Jesus said to Nicodemus, you know what, Nicodemus? You must be born again. There's no way you can change if you're not born again. And as we're in this place, you may be here. Maybe you, 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 you want to live for God, but eh, it's just not working. You, you go back to the things you said you won't do. You feel frustrated and sometimes you feel so condemned. And I'll tell you why. It's because you are trying to live the Christian life in your power. God didn't call us to live the Christian life in our own power. Let Christ come into your life. Let Jesus Christ baptize you and put you into the body of Christ. Let God change you on the inside. Then you will be able to live a different life. May I ask us to bow our heads, please, and close our eyes everywhere. The reason I ask people to close their eyes and bow their heads is just to give you a moment of privacy. We don't want anyone to feel embarrassed or ashamed. But definitely, I want to call on you to respond. Don't remain unresponsive. Don't, don't, don't postpone it. You're not here by accident. You're here because God wanted you to hear this message. You're here because somebody has been praying for you. You're here because God wants to reach out to you. You're here because God has an appointment with you to change and transform you. He wants to make you a new person, new creature, all together. Old things pass away. New things come about. God wants to free you from the bondage of wrong and sin and guilt, condemnation, inferiority. God wants to give you peace on the inside. God wants to deliver you from whatever it is that's haunting your life. Today is a day when everything can change. Only if you can give God a chance. Our heads bowed, our eyes closed. If that's you, wherever you are, wherever you are seated, our heads bowed, our eyes closed, and you say, Bishop, please pray for me. I really need God in my life. I need help. I need help. I need prayer. If that is you, would you just simply, just raise your hand right where you are. Just raise it up. Let me see it. Just raise it high. I want to pray for you. Thank you for those hands. Thank you for those hands. All over this place. Yeah. We came here today as a people who need God and we're not ashamed that we need God. Don't be ashamed either. This is a safe space. This is a safe place. Many of us in this house, we had to make that decision that you're making today. We know what it means. We know how much it's going to change your life. Thank you for those hands. Is there anyone else who didn't raise their hand yet? Join these people who've raised their hands already. Just raise it up. I see a hand here. I just, can you see one hand over here, please? Just help me. Can I ask the people who raised their hands? I want to pray for you. This is such an important day for you. For your life to be changed and transformed. May I ask you, please, if you've raised your hand right where you are, would you please just stand on your feet, please? You can put your hand down, but just stand on your feet, please. Just stand on your feet. Thank you so much. Appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you, my dear. Bless you. Yeah, this is the day. This is the day. Hallelujah. Now, no, no, no. sometimes when we ask people to, 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 to take a step, some people are still doubtful in their heart. There could be someone who's seated. You know you should be standing with these people. You may have brought somebody who maybe if you were to say, look at the MLO and I'll stand with you, they would stand. Do go ahead and do that. Go ahead and do that. And when we, and when we invite people to the front, Taliban, maybe you want to look at your neighbor and say, you know what, neighbor, if you want to make that decision, I'll support you. I'm here to support you. I'm here to support you. May I ask all the people who are standing, I want to pray for you. 
This is such an important decision that you're making. If you could please, from where you are, thank you, thank you. Take all your belongings. Take all your belongings, your Bible, your bag, take everything of yours and walk to the front. Come stand here facing me on the stage. I want to pray for you. Give them a big hand. Come on, walk. Begin to walk. Walk. Walk all the way. Thank you, Jesus. Keep on walking.